0: on today's episode of the Real Foodology Podcast.
1: We have the cheapest food in the world, bar none. As a percentage of our income, we spend less on food. We have the most expensive healthcare, bar none.
0: Hi guys, welcome back to another episode of the Real Foodology Podcast. I'm your host, Courtney Swan. This week's episode is with Mark Castell of Organic Eye, which is an organic industry watchdog. They monitor the increasingly corrupt relationship between corporate agribusiness and government regulators that has eroded the working definition of organics. I'm so happy to have someone on our side making sure that they're, I mean, they're really just holding um, companies accountable and trying to uphold the organic standard, which is incredibly important especially with everything going on in the food industry right now. So, we have an amazing conversation, we cover a lot of different things including organic farming and the regulations, how here in America we spend the most on healthcare and the least amount of money on our food compared to any other country in the world. And we talk about how to budget so you can afford healthy organic food. And so much more. This is such a great conversation. He is full of so much information, and I really, really enjoyed this conversation, and I'm excited for you guys to hear it. And with that, let's get to a question before we get to the interview. As always, these answers in this podcast are just for educational and informational purposes only. I am an integrative nutritionist, but I am not a doctor. And I don't know you personally. I don't know what's going on in your body. So just know that this information on this podcast is not a sub for individual medical or mental health advice, and it doesn't constitute a provider-patient relationship. As always, talk to your doctor first. Today's question comes from Maria in Stockholm, Sweden. I was very excited to see that. I love Sweden. She said, hi, Courtney. Thank you for everything that you do. I've been following you for a couple of years, and I'm excited that you now have a podcast. Thank you so much, Maria. I would love it if you could share your experience with animal protein. Health is my biggest interest, both for myself, but also trying to help others. I'm vegan at heart, but it doesn't seem to suit my body. I feel cold unsatiated, and a bit shaky if I go strictly vegan. But then if I have a portion of salmon, for example, it feels like my body can relax again. I listened to episode six and seven with Balcampo and was even more inspired to find quality products. I was wondering if you eat all kinds of animal protein, including pork and dairy, Is there one that you prefer? And what do your servings look like in size and combination with any other food? Do you limit to one meal a day or do you include animal protein in most meals? I feel like I say this every week, but God, I really love this question because this is something that I personally experienced in my own life and I went through. Um, If you guys listen to my first episode, I go into it a little bit with my journey of going vegan. And I think the biggest takeaway here in Maria's question is that we have to stop getting so stuck in this mindset of like, okay, this is the diet that I need to f- to make work, that I need to fit into my lifestyle because I've either read that it's good for me or, um, you know, and this is not a, I want to tread very lightly with this because I, I want to respect the fact that a lot of people are vegetarian, vegan for moral reasons. And I will never argue with that. I fully respect that. Um, but the problem that I do have with veganism and vegetarianism is that, like I was saying, we get so stuck in our ways and thinking that we have to fit our diet into this one box. And unfortunately, um, it's not going to work for everyone. And this is a perfect example of someone who is trying so hard to be vegan or vegetarian because she feels like it's going to be the best for her health, but her body is literally telling her opposite. Um, Maria, you say that you feel cold and satiated, a bit shaky when you go vegan, but then when you have salmon, it feels like your body can relax again. So my personal advice would be to listen to your body. Your body is clearly telling you that it needs meat and that veganism does not work for your body and for your biology. And that's okay. We're all different. I'm sure many people listening here thrive and feel great on a vegan and vegetarian diet. And I will never argue with that. My biggest thing is we need to make sure we're tuning into our body and really, really listening to what it's telling us. And clearly, her, your body is telling you that you need to eat meat. Um, Let's see. I want to address some of these other things. So it's, uh, okay, so you're wondering if I eat all kinds of animal protein, including pork and dairy. So I don't do particularly well with dairy, so I don't eat a lot of it, but I've found over the years, like... Um, that I can eat a little bit of cheese here and there. I can have a little bit of sour cream or, you know, a little bit of dairy ice cream or whatever it is. And I'm okay. But if I start building it up and I have cheese like five days a week or something, I will start feeling the effects and not feeling super good. So I mostly do, um, non-dairy stuff, but I'll have it occasionally if it's around and, and I'm fine with that. And again, this is all about truly tuning into your body and figuring out what works best for you. And this took me a long time. I mean, it took me 10 years to really get to a place where I'm able to tune in, listen to what my body needs. And that's kind of the way that I approach um, animal protein as well, as far as like servings and what kind of animal protein I eat. I'm a little bit funny in particular about it because I've never really liked meat. Like as a kid, I would never eat red meat. Um, well, I shouldn't say never. My parents would try to force me to do it. And we had, I grew up in Texas and we had steak Sunday every Sunday as Texans do. And I hated the taste of steak so much that I would chipmunk it in my cheeks because my parents would make me sit at the table until I finished my plate and no hate. They were just doing what they knew best, but (laughs) I hated it so much that I would just chipmunk it. I would store it in my cheeks and then I would Asked to go to the bathroom, and I would flush it down the toilet. That's how much I hated red meat. I've finally gotten to a place recently, thanks to Belcampo, where I'm eating a little bit more. But I mostly just stick to turkey and chicken because that's the meat that I gravitate towards. To that's the meat that I personally crave and that tastes good to me. And then I'll occasionally do like a burger, which I've been doing more lately. Um, as far as pork goes, I've always really avoided pork. I more recently have been Eating more bacon than I would like to admit, but when I do buy bacon, I make sure that it's nitrate free, organic, and pasture raised. Because especially with pigs, pigs are some of the dirtiest animals ever. No matter how you think about it, I love pigs. I think they're so cute. But as far as like the way that they operate and live in the in the world, they're considered the garbage and waste eliminators of the farm. Often eating. Literally anything they can find, and so that includes not only bugs and insects, but like whatever leftover scraps they find laying around, their own feces, as well as dead carcasses of sick animals, including their own. So there's just kind of garbage disposals. And the way I approach eating meat is, I want to eat whatever is going to be the healthiest for me. And you know, you you have to think about it. You eat whatever your aunt, that animal ate that you're eating. And a big thing with pigs is that their digestive system operates like rather basically, meaning that a lot of their toxins um, don't get flushed out; they're actually stored in their adequate fatty tissues. So then, when you eat it, you're actually going to eat on, you know, you're gonna take on some of those toxins. They also harbor a lot of viruses, parasites. They're particularly prone to trichinosis, which is a specific um, parasite that they carry. So there's just a lot of risk with eating pork. So I don't really eat that much. Um, and then as far as serving sizes go, and I have to go back to my question. Um, and you asked, do I limit to one meal a day? So I really have gotten to a place where I just listen to my body. So I don't even think about it as far as like, okay, I'm only going to have meat with this one meal this day. Um there are some days where I will eat vegetarian the whole day, and then there are some days where I and I'll have meat maybe in two meals, you know. And and you know sometimes it's just eggs in the morning, um, or I'll have a little bit of bacon in the morning or whatever. But I really just I listen to my body, and a really important thing about serving sizes. So Mark Hyman, Dr. Mark Hyman has a saying that I love, and this is kind of what I've subscribed to, is he always says we should be treating our meat like a condiment, and he calls it condiment meaning you don't want the meat to be the star of the show. You want it to be more like a condiment, a side dish. So use your, you know, your vegetables and your good healthy fats as more of the like star of the show. Like get as many veggies on your plate as you possibly can. Add a little bit of good healthy fat, whether that's avocado, butter, um some sort of nut or seed butter. And then as far as your meat, you want it to be more of like a side dish instead of like a big fatty steak being the whole meal. Because, look, we eat too much meat in this country. Um, and I know you're in Sweden. Actually, and you guys eat a lot of meat in Sweden as well. So um, we could all do better by cutting back on it a little bit. And I think that's it. I think I covered everything. Thank you so much for writing in, Maria. I want to remind everyone listening that if you have a question, I would love to answer it on air. Please email me at realfoodologypodcast at gmail.com. And with that, let's get to the show. Thank you so much for coming on today, Mark. I'm really excited about this conversation. So why don't you start out telling my audience what you do?
1: Uh, geez, I'm still trying to figure that out <laughs> after all these years. So I, I call myself a... Farm policy analyst. Uh, that's been my title basically for the last um, uh, 15 to 20 years. But uh, uh, I'm also referred to as a organic industry watchdog. Uh, if I had a business card today, I'd probably say professional troublemaker because I've been a polarizing figure in the organic community. Um, if you get your hands dirty for a living and crack a sweat farming, Um, I work for you. I'm a hired man. And if you buy organic food because you understand that it's not just because it doesn't have agrochemical and drug residues, but because we're seeking nutritionally superior, denser, nutritionally dense food, and that how you grow organically makes a difference. I'm your big friend. If you uh, look at organics as a marketing vehicle and you only want that usda seal because you're out to make money um i'm i'm a real troublemaker and and uh so i don't mind that uh that that dynamic dynamic i i know who i work for we have mutual respect for each other and um and i always like to say you know who owns the organic label we all do we all do you do out in la And uh, eating and the farmers I work for here in Wisconsin and Minnesota and around the country, uh, we all share that. So if people are undermining the working definition for greed, uh, we have to band together to fight that.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, it's going to take all of us, you know, all of us to fix this, what's happening in our country right now. So you, because I know right now you work for a company called Organic Eye and Beyond Pesticides, which I actually see. Oh, you were wearing your Organic Eye hat, and I see the Beyond Pesticides behind you. Can you explain to people a little bit about what what you guys do with that?
1: Sure. I'll explain that really briefly. First of all, we're not a company, although we're incorporated. We're incorporated as a public interest group, a a public charity. Um, We're a 501c3 tax exempt charity, And uh, we work for organic consumers, organic farmers, ethical business people. Um so Organic I is about a year old. We just had our first anniversary. I've been doing this work for Congrats. again for a decade and a half uh after founding what was a preeminent organization in organics and
0: uh Is that the Cornucopia Institute? Sorry to interrupt you.
1: Founded the Cornucopia Institute. I no longer have anything to do with that? Oh really? Uh but I'm continuing this work and because a number of organizations came to me and said, we don't want you to retire. Organic eye remains to be a real asset to people who care about organics.
0: Well, this is really important work and I will definitely get into this in the conversation, but I'm so grateful to have people like you who are watching out for organic and the standard because it really does need to be protected. And we'll definitely get into that. But before we get into that, I want to talk a little bit about, so there's obviously no dispute that food is the most important element and foundation of our health But a lot of us take that for granted. And there's a huge misconception around organic food. I hear people saying this all the time organic food is elitist, it's only for the rich. And while they're not wrong because it's. I don't
1: hear that very often. I read it in farming publications and.
0: It's propaganda.
1: Forbes magazine, you know, business lobby. You know, it was really interesting. When I first got involved in organics in the 80s, when it was first commercialized, and I was a certified organic farmer before it was required by law to be certified. Uh, I helped launch uh, what's now Organic Valley, which is one of the largest organic businesses.
0: That's amazing.
1: We were attacked constantly um, because the uh, conventional food industry was threatened. If organic food was better or safer, there must be something wrong with ours. Well, maybe. Um, But now that almost every brand major brand is owned by corporations. And you can go to the Organic Eye website, which is www.organicye.org, and on there is a chart that shows you corporate control of all the brands. So you name the brand, I almost guarantee you that one of the agribusinesses that we thought we were creating an alternative to owns it. So we've been kind of co-opted. Now some of those companies are acting responsibly. Yeah. Others are just a marketing vehicle. So, uh, so we were, st- we started out being attacked and now they- there's not so much of attack because they got profit dollars in organics. They just want to change the working definition of what organic food is really all about.
0: So, when you say that that they want to just change the working definition of organic, what do you mean exactly? So they're just trying to—are you saying that they're trying to hold on to their agribusiness, but then also appease to the organic movement because they know there's money to be made there?
1: Yeah, sure. They want to do both to change organic agriculture and food processing. I'll talk about those separately. We—they want to practice what I refer to as organic by substitution. We will raise dairy cattle on. "Quote farms," I don't call them farms, but on on, on feedlots with mm. two thousand to twenty five thousand cows. I mean, I work for people whose cows have names, not numbers. You know, most people go to the store and if they buy meat, poultry, um, it comes in a foam tray with plastic. It, it you know, was there an animal in there? And mm. and uh, eggs, um, milk, and so I visualize that. And I say thanks uh, not only to the Lord for my meal that is part of, and I don't see God as this gray bearded dude up in the sky. I see the miracle of God around me on this farm every day. And there's something beautiful and magical every day. And so uh, this wasn't just plopped down by a manufacturing system, although that's how they're treating animals today. And Mm -hmm. so I want to, recognize that the spirit and life of this animal was taken to sustain m- m- me, my health, to give me joy if I'm enjoying this wonderful meal. And then I want to make sure that my patronage, my involvement in the soup food system as an eater or a consumer is ethical so that the animals that I consume, and I actually know where my milk and meat and eggs come from are living a really happy cow life or chicken life um, or dairy cow life. As I say, I'm, I'm in dairy barns. I know where my milk comes from. It comes from one farm. I have been lucky enough to get fresh unpasteurized milk. And yeah. from a herd of Normandies, they're not black and white, Holstein. And th- there's, an, there's a relationship between the animals and the people on that farm. They love the, the you know They're not pets. They're working animals, but they love their people. They were mm-hmm. raised from little baby calves on a bottle by their people. Mm-hmm. Their people love these animals. As I said, they have names.
0: Yeah. And they're loved their whole life.
1: And, 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 and at a minimum, they're respected and valued. Mm-hmm. And they come in, the, the farmer comes in the barn stew, who I milks my cows, and they nuzzle them and bump them and, and they're just happy and joyful. And they spend their time outside on pasture, not like conventional cows or pseudo organic cows. that are in a big building or in a feedlot confined with thousands of other Mm -hmm. almost 24 seven. And so I want to make sure that, you know, I don't want to be a vegetarian. Some people do. And I personally respect that option. Um, whether it's for ethical reasons or for perceived health advantages, mm-hmm. um, but I eat these livestock products, and I want to make sure that the animals that are involved in producing my food are respectfully treated. So that's the little yeah. tangent on saying grace and being conscious. And even if you're a vegetarian, um, that these are living plants. First of all, re- truly sustainable regenerative agriculture is almost impossible without animals in the mix somewhere. So if you buy, um, organic vegetables and you should, um, and you say, well, I'm a vegan or a vegetarian. Well, most of those vegetables are grown with animal manures and composts, composted animal as being the primary, um, um, soil nutrient nutritional source. So, um, so you you still have skin in the game, even if you're not eating meat, to make sure that animals are properly treated uh, and that your friends and family who do eat meat, eat the healthiest meat and aren't part of the problem, but part of the solution.
0: I agree. And this is a really important component of this because I always say, um, if you're vegetarian- Just simply for the animal welfare, I see it as you're not really, you don't have any skin in the game. You're not making any, you're not voting at all, you know, whereas if you were actually putting your money towards farmers and farming practices that are taking care of the animals and they're making sure that these animals are fed well, taken care of, like you said, living out happy, healthy lives, then that's going to only encourage these farmers and more farmers to do it this way as well.
1: A- absolutely, we're in charge. We have the money. I would never try to talk anybody out of being a vegetarian if they are for spiritual reasons.
0: No, of course not. Yeah, I fully respect that.
1: There are vegans who, even if the animals are treated wonderfully their entire life, wouldn't want to consume an animal, and yeah. and so I respect that. But it's so. actually, you know, what's funny, and we can talk about different diets and all these plant based diets. The majority of people are choosing these plant based milks. Some of which have more sugar in them than candy bars, um, wow. and and almost some of them no protein, so their nutritional profile is very questionable. So seventy so percent of the people who are buying uh, these uh, plant-based beverages or milk, almond, milk, soy milk, they're not lactose intolerant and they're not vegans. Seventy percent of them consume dairy items products, but they've yeah. been like fooled into thinking these are better for your health, and, um, and so, you know, we need to drill down on those. And, and people who are uh, vegetarians or ethical vegans need to eat vegetarian or ve- vegan food, not food. They need to eat food, not highly processed, yeah. you know, uh, genetically engineered, cell-cultured meats or meats. I got it. I'm uh, going to have repetitive. Uh,
0: yeah, air quotes. <laughs> ow. <laughs> yeah, the impossible burgers, beyond burgers. Sorry to interrupt you, but yeah, they're all disgusting.
1: Yeah, they're not organic. Some are using genetically engineered yeast. They're produced in a stainless steel laboratory. They're produced with items they may or may not be grown here in China. They're synthesized. They're they're the protein is from isolates, so they don't take a whole plant. They're isolating parts of it, so very highly processed.
0: I also read with Impossible Burger specifically that they were having a lot of allergic reactions. A lot of people were going into anaphylactic shock because it's a new type of protein that our the human body has never seen before. And so a lot of people that were eating it, their body was, yeah, they were having allergic reactions because it was a foreign invader per
1: se. I have not heard that, but yeah, then you know, I, I'm sure you know who Michael Pollan is, Love him. Yeah, mm-hmm. seminal book, um, The Omnivores Dilemma, and I know Michael and collaborate with him periodically, though not for a little while. So, you know, besides the omnivore dilemma, he, he wrote a book called Food Rules. Is yep. number one the number one rule? Eat food. Eat yep. food. Most of these
0: mostly plants,
1: mostly plants, not too much meat. Right. Yeah. So most of these products that are sold to us. The reason that these meat analogs are becoming so popular is because hundreds of millions of dollars of of venture capital, equity, money is being sunk into these things to convince us that they're better, Um, but it's not food. So a lot of this stuff looks like what grandma used to maybe make, not just the meat analogs, but mostly what's in the middle of grocery stores Mm -hmm. is fake food. And there are um, occupations called food technologists. They use colors; some are natural, some are artificial. They use flavors; some are natural, artificial. To to make up for the fact that by highly heating and processing these foods, we denature them. They have to put vitamins and minerals back in. And so these are artificial constructs. And and wow. so you know we're getting to the root of of good health. It, you know, we we want to eat the safest food in terms of n- any kind of deleterious contaminants, mm. be they biological pathogens, chemicals, drugs, um, and we also want to eat food that is nutritionally superior because that is the um, that's the that's basis of health and well-being and the yep. the functioning of our immune system. And never before in the history of Mankind maybe, but certainly during my lifetime, have has this been truer than during this pandemic? And, you know, why are some people dying and some people are hardly sick? We don't know yet, but but vitamin D is thought to be a partial component. Overall health, I mean...
0: Yeah, your metabolic makeup, like what's happening in your body is really what's going to affect.
1: Yeah, so... I like to rant and rave about this in speeches Sometimes We have the cheapest food in the world, bar none. As a percentage of our income, we spend less on food. We have the most expensive healthcare, bar none. What's the result of that that, um, dynamic? We have um, levels of chronic disease Mm -hmm. uh, off the Richter scale. Our longevity compared to other developing countries is falling. Our infant mortality, low birth rate, way up. And, and so we are not being well served by having this cheap industrialized food, much of it imported now, and an incredibly expensive health care. So we, we're treating people who are sick. We're not preventing them from getting sick. And where the rubber is really uh, meeting the road now is COVID because you know, some people wow. get sick, some don't. Some people get kind of sick. Some people are going to be invalids for life or die. And and so we have some of that control. And if you haven't educated yourself, probably if you're watching this, you probably already are a believer. Share this um, series of podcasts, not just with me, God help you, but um, <laughs> share these with your friends and family yeah. because now is the time. If you haven't started, there's an old saying, you know when's the best time to plant a tree? You know, 25 years ago. When's the second best time? Today. So when's the next best time to start eating well? I I started on Wonder Bread and Valvita processed imitation food, and my mother was very proud in the mid 50s to have breastfed me for a whole week. A week oh, she breastfed me wow. because most kids, you know, infant formula. Now you're going to make me really rat and rave. Infant formula. Highly processed, filled with even organic infant formula, filled with synthetic chemicals and artificial um, vitamins, and, they're, and they advertise closest thing to mother's milk. Hey, it ain't close.
0: It will never be the same. It will never be the same.
1: It will never be the same. Mother's milk, magical. The scientists don't know why the interactions of all the lipids and other um, nutrients in that milk. And so, not only are you you know, preventing your children from being obese and putting them on a a lifetime track of superior health, but yeah. uh, mothers um, gain this weight for pregnancy and breastfeeding, and then they don't breastfeed, and so that's part of the obesity dem- epidemic for women, and uh, ups your breast cancer risk, uh, your uh, risk of diabetes, other metabolic problems. So breastfeed, and naturally people breastfed for a couple of years, not a week. Yeah. Um, if my mother's listening still.
0: Well, I do want to say for anyone listening, because I don't want anyone to get bummed out. There there are certain circumstances where women have tried and they're unable to do it. Cause I've I've had some friends that have really struggled with it. But if you're able to, it really is the perfect. I mean, that's we call it nature's perfect food for a reason.
1: Yeah. So let's you know? let's talk about let's go yeah. on a little bit. There are women who physically either can't breastfed or don't have enough milk and they need to supplement at certain times. Yeah. Um, then seek out organic infant formula, because number one, um, it's made, the base product is made out of dairy, organic dairy powder. Uh, number two, because it's organic, there are certain added ingredients that are scrutinized. And that's what we work hard on. And Dr. Schister on Organic Ice staff works hard on. And we have a real fight because they're trying to put all kinds of gimmicks in there, That may or may not be healthy. That may or may not be beneficial.
0: I've seen some that have oils in them, like industrialized oils, like canola oil.
1: Yes, they have oils. They have they have sugars and sweeteners. You know, you don't want to use them unless you have. There are also societal reasons. Some women have no choice. They're working. They have to work. They have no support. They, you know, we we claim to be a family friendly country. It's it's a lie. lie. And you know, Europe women have. Coaching for breastfeeding, they have time off. The in some countries, the fathers have time off. They don't have to give their infants away to somebody else to care for them. So, if if you are going to um, if you are going to seek out infant formula, please make it organic. Let me let me rant about That's one last thing. Yeah, soy based formulas. Ugh, children who are vomiting or having other problems, the doctors. Traditionally, automatically, said, well, try they must be allergic to dairy. In Europe, you, in, I'm not sure if it's all Europe or just some countries, you have to actually have a prescription from a physician to get a soy based formula because there are uh, real deficiencies and risks involved. And soy acts mm-hmm. as a uh, phytonutrient or a um,
0: phytoestrogen.
1: Phytoestrogen, I'm sorry, uh, or an estrogen mimicker. And um, it's really, uh, there hasn't been enough research in terms of what impacts that can have, uh, either in utero. In, so think about what you're eating. That very important. to Have an all organic diet while you're pregnant, before you're pregnant, while you're pregnant, and while you're lactating, folks. Very important. But um, so I form you up to think very, very carefully about whether that's the problem. And um, we, I formally commissioned research that. Uh, looked at um, this artificial DHA oil from uh, algal oil from um, plant-based al- 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 algae, you know, as a part yeah. of the human diet, never. And uh, there was really questions about its efficacy. But when it first went on the market, the FDA received a flurry of adverse reaction reports. Mm-hmm. And now that it's in all infant formula and people can't compare, uh, that might be the problem. So anyways, let's go off of infant formula.
0: Well, okay. So I started to say earlier that I, cause I really want to make this point. I think it's really important for people to hear this because we do hear a lot that it's elitist and only for the rich. And while people are, they're not wrong when they say that only because I, I, I don't want to discount the fact that it is really expensive. And unfortunately it's a privilege to be able to afford organic or have access to it. But part of, The thing that I really want to, well, I mean, this is why I'm having these conversations. I want to change this. Organic food should not be a privilege. This should not be this way. But we have certain policies like the farm um, policy or the subsidies that we pay to farmers to grow certain foods. And then there's corporate lobbyists. And like you were saying earlier, the big agriculture companies have so much money. Let's talk about that a little bit. How do we fix this? How do we make it to where organic is not considered an elitist thing? And how do we make it more affordable and accessible for people?
1: Well, first, let me suggest that there's two things in play that we all together, individually, for our families, have power to address. Mm -hmm. One is how you prioritize your life. So I have people who work for me, who make a modest income. We work for nonprofits, so we're not on the corporate gravy train. And so, junior employees that are starting out, they're not rich. I, I've had employees, that staff members have two or three kids that eat all organic food, but they drive a used car. They don't have, they, every member of the family doesn't have an iPhone. They don't have a $1,200 cable package. They've decided that food is a really important component to our life. I, I can remember years ago. Going into uh, one of the food co-ops, I'm a member of, and I—that's where I did a lot of my what I call guerrilla market research for my corporate clients back when I was helping farmer cooperatives form. And uh, and I'd say to somebody, you know, I look at what's in their cart. Why aren't you buying organic food? And it's too expensive was the answer. And then she went out and got into what today is a sixty-five thousand dollars Chevy subdivision, getting mm. fourteen miles per gallon. Where are your priorities? So number one, we can control that. If you think food is too expensive, look at what else you're spending your money on. And and there are people who truly, and and so let me have a little plug. I run a a nonprofit. We'd be honored if you went to Organic Eye and supported this work. But before right now, any of us do that, we have to recognize that there's some people right now with no jobs, no money, and no food whether it's organic food or not. So we need to be supporting the pantries in every community and the, and the suppliers, uh, second harvest that, that feed those pantries. Um, so there are some people who can't afford any food. But for most of us in America, we make the choice of what we spend our money on. Do we buy a $1,200 barbecue or a $50 barbecue? Do we buy very best food? So that's the first But let me tell you that if we get away, and the other thing, pre-pandemic, over 50% of our food dollars were spent away from home, either at restaurants, at McDonald's pizza, at the uh, food bar at Whole Foods. And that is really, really expensive food. Mm -hmm. So cook, you know, people forget how to cook, you know, number one, eat food, number two, cook food. So let me give you an example. I buy organic chicken, not just any organic chicken, because if you go to Whole Foods, most grocery chains, um, you're getting organic chicken that's raised by Tyson in, in houses with twenty or 30,000 birds each that never go outside. Forget about the law. I'm the gumshoe. I'm the guy who investigates this as an organic industry watch. I visit these places. They all have an excuse why their birds aren't out that day. They're, they're basically not out. And so the nutrition isn't there. The quality of life for the bird isn't there. It's, it's conventional chicken with uh, organic grain fed. Mm. But I buy chickens from St. Bridget's Meadow Farm, my friend owns, that are uh, rotated. They have uh, electric mesh fencing. So they stay and then they move the fencing every day or a few days. So they're always got, they're not ruminants. They, they have to have grain. They can't live on all grass but they do eat weeds and grass. You can see them eat it down. They eat bugs. They scratch the dirt, that, that, that scratch, 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 peck, 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 scratch, scratch. That's called a foraging behavior for birds. They're looking for seeds, insects. They love that. That's what gives them a rich life. And the law says, as an organic farmer, you have to provide for their natural instinctive behaviors, not in a building. So my chicken, chicken tastes great. They had a great life while they were here on this planet. And, and I spend, depending on the size of the chicken, it might be 12 to $20 right now for Thanksgiving. I have enormous chicken. And people go, oh my God, $15 a chicken, that's so expensive. So first of all, I'm, 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 I'm one of your competitors. If you go to the Organic Eye Facebook page, please like it, please, please like us. Um, And we have a new video series called Castell's Kitchen. So what do I eat? Which brands do I buy? So we're going to do one on chicken. So you go to uh, the local hardware store. I got mine at Kmart. They're out of business. But patronize your local hardware store. They'll bring it out to the curb for you. Get an enamel pot. They're really cheap. A roasting pot. You can get a bigger one for a turkey. Or I think this chicken I'm defrosting now is going to be in the turkey pot. It's big. And, um, you wash it, you put it in the pot and at a half an hour, 40 minutes to go, I chop up organic, um, uh, carrots, onions, celery. If I got it, I usually don't, it's not local, um, potatoes. Uh, I throw them in there one pot. I make this whenever I have company one pot. There's nothing to wash leftovers. I put the pot in the refrigerator. Then I, as I did today, sandwiches, from my last chicken adventure. Um, I Sometimes the day I make it, I take some of the vegetables, some of the chicken, put it in a Pyrex bowl, put that in a Ziploc bag, put it in my freezer. Man, there's a quick meal I've got. I don't own a microwave, but I guess people who do can play with that. Um, so when I'm all done and I collect the bones, I boil the carcass, all the bones, scrape the pan, make soup. It's like $2 a meal. Like go to Whole Foods hot bar, and I don't mean to pick on them because lots of other places. Like the two uh, member-owned food co-ops I belong to in Viroqua and La Crosse, Wisconsin, they both have a hot bar. But go try to buy a meal for two bucks. That good, that nutritious, that flavor,
0: and organic.
1: That organic that pays dividends to the earth, that pays the farmers a fair price. I mean, you know how? What a win-win-win deal. So was That's that expensive? Win. No, that wasn't expensive. So if you buy fresh vegetables and you buy brown rice, I'm not mm-hmm. going to say organic before everything. It's all organic in my kitchen. Fresh vegetables, brown rice, millet, quinoa, um, make the grain. You you stir fry, it, throw some of that chicken that was left over. Um, one can item that I buy, I guess too, as I buy a favorite brand of canned Alaskan salmon. Alaskan salmon is always wild. Don't buy Atlantic salmon, it's always farm. Um, So it's, I don't like to eat out of cans because of the can liner, but it's just the brand I buy, great salmon. Um, Sardines, uh, sardines very low on the food chain, low in contaminants, very high in oil, omega-3s, same with Mm -hmm. salmon. I throw that into the stir fry. That's my protein that can, is uh, a meal for you know two to four people, depending on how hungry they are. The sardines I buy, which are really great quality from Portugal, one dollar a can, two meals, two to three wow. meals at least. And so I'm taking these really high quality vegetables and um, and we should talk a little bit about how to shop. Um, yes. And I'm making meals, and these are not expensive meals. Now could I buy hamburger helper? And conventional hamburger and is it cheaper? Yes. And you get what you pay for. And I talked about medical. But
0: here's the thing. If you're spending less money at the cash register, be prepared to spend more money in your healthcare. You're going to be buying more medication. You're going to spend more money on doctor's visits, hospital visits. And that's really where I think is the disconnect. We're not making that connection widely right now in the U.S., even though we have the cheapest food, like you brought up, we are paying for it in other ways, and I would argue a lot we're paying a lot more for it than we're paying for you know this organic food.
1: yes, yeah, it, well we are it, absolutely this this healthcare industrial complex is bankrupting us. Let me give you another yes. and, and so you're you're talking about one of my mantras, pay now or pay later it, yep. it, the deal is our cars are about the most expensive thing we have. The most expensive element in that car is depreciation. But we never write a check every day or every month for depreciation. But when you go to sell the car three years later, you lost $10,000. Forget about the $30 oil change. And Mm -hmm. so, you know, pay now or pay later is the mantra. And we don't write that healthcare. It might be decades from now until we get cancer or uh, diabetes or some really... uh, Bad malady that
0: autoimmune disease or get a really bad case of COVID.
1: Yes, right. And you know, so so you know, re- really great food. Great food is a value, a high value. It might not be as cheap. We call that acquisition cost. The acquisition cost might not be as cheap over a lifetime. If you look at the food you buy, the healthcare, and and what is the you know talk is cheap, but people say you know the gift of health. There's nothing more important. People, as soon as you lose your health, you will say, I would have done, I'd do anything to regain it, and I should have done anything to maintain it. And so we, as a society, are taught, this is kind of this, we don't need a bad mouth capitalism exclusively, but this is- We can a a little bit. (laughs) Well, I will call it unregulated, rapacious capitalism, greedy capitalism. It is- it dominates the media and our thought process. So what do we decide is important? It's more important to have a three-year-old vehicle than a six-year-old vehicle and then eat shit. Oops, can I say that in your... You
0: can.
1: <laughs> okay, good. Not on broadcast media here, folks. Um, and, and so, um, you know, it, it makes logical sense, right, to us. True. And we need to... We're all evangelists for organics and good food. Yeah. The, the people listening who believe us, who aren't going to dispute this, you need to talk to your friends and family because they love and trust you. They might not know us. And, and so you, you have great influence on others. They're getting this bombardment through media. And what's so insidious, and it really kicks in during the last four to eight years in, in election cycles, is that our media is now is coming just to us. They know who we are based on the algorithms. They know if we're liberal or conservative. They know if we eat good food or junk food. And then they feed us what we are already exposed to. We're not exposed to a broad range of Yes, yeah. And so it's really important. You can be an influencer um, with people who are important in your life or in your community, because this matters. You know, okay? we're bankrupting ourselves. 30 years ago, 30, 40 years ago, we were spending about... of our incomes on food and about 8% on healthcare. In between that time, these chronic diseases have gone wild. We now spend about 8% of our incomes on food and about 16 plus going towards 20%. We can't spend 20% of every dollar, 20 cents of every dollar on healthcare for our families, our School systems, our towns, our villages, our states, and not bankrupt ourselves. Plus, what we're spending on the military-industrial complex.
0: Oh, I know. Don't even get me started.
1: And so we somehow we have to equalize, spend more money on food, great food, cook, eat out less, but you know, eat out and have fun. But uh, eat less meat, but eat better meat. You know, P- Americans should eat you know half the amount of meat and pay twice as much for it, and eat more. You know, so last night what I. Did, so I had chicken sandwich today. Last night I had um, Chana Masala. Uh, it's an Indian dish. Chana is chickpea or garbanzo bean. And, and um, I'm not sure which language they speak in, in India, but, um, uh, but it's wonderful. I cook it in my own um, uh, a kitchen. I buy an Indian spice mix. I'm not that creative with uh, organic olive oil, organic ghee, and it's really tasty. I get my protein from those legumes, and I don't need meat at every meal. I try to have one um, uh, meat meal a day at least, and and or eggs, and and one um, some dish with beans in it, and some other plant based protein. And then I don't mean like some protein that I buy ready made, where they've extracted the protein out of some plant and then mixed it with other highly processed. I mean food.
0: Real food. Yep. That's, that's everything that real foodology, my brand is founded on is I just want us to get back to eating real food. And that means foods in their whole natural state as close to nature as you can possibly get them. You know, if you can pull them out of your garden in the backyard, that is ideal. But if you don't have a garden, then go for whole real foods in the produce section.
1: Right. Let's talk about garden. But one of the things when you don't extract the protein from the legume, so uh, pea protein isolate is very popular. Soy protein isolate is very popular. Um, it comes with everything. It comes with the fiber. And, and, and fiber is one of the things that protects us from colon cancer. So we get better nutrition, we, you know, everything. So, so gardening, let's talk about gardening. You know, we could save money if we garden. It takes a little time. But what a relaxing, beautiful thing to do like mowing lawns. Oh man, you know, I just like to blow my brains out mowing lawn. Luckily, most of the land here, which you can't see, I could turn my camera around, is is pasture and either the cows mow it or it's mowed with a large hay vine, a machine that then makes hay bales and then they eat it during the winter. And so I have, I, I live on acres and acres of beautiful green lush that I don't have to mow. And, but, uh, gardening is just, uh, And if you're married or partnered, just a wonderful, calm thing to do to share the end of the day, weeding or planting together. If you have kids involved, what a wonderful learning experience. We have a couple of sayings here in Wisconsin. Don't go out to the garden to pick your sweet corn until you already have the water boiling on the stove. So if you want flavor and freshness and nutrition, because the flavor and nutrition profiles are parallel. The garden is the place to buy. So that's not or to get it from. That's number one. And and then you can freeze, you can can it. And having a root cellar with a bunch of, or basement with a bunch of canned goods and a freezer, that is true food security. And again, this pandemic is you know, you know making us understand that. Mm-hmm. So the next place to buy is local. So in all my work, watchdogging, the organic movement, I have never found any frat, fraud at a CSA, a community-sponsored agriculture farm, or the farmers who are certified organic that go to your local farmer's market. Um, If you get a CSA box, which I did last Friday, I'll, I'll plug Harmony Valley Farms, maybe, and there are other great ones, but maybe the best gardener in Wisconsin. And he has maybe 500 now members in Minneapolis, Madison, Twin Cities, Madison, and right here in my county where they're at. And so he goes all the way through December. I got so much great food, winter squash, greens, even though it's been cold, you know, radishes, just wonderful food. When I get that CSA box, it was, or if I go to the farmer's market during the summer, it ended a couple of weeks ago, that food was picked maybe 10 hours ago instead of 10 days ago in California or Mexico. If I go to um, my food co-ops and there are over a couple hundred around the country, um, most of them have relationships with local farmers. It's like a farmer's market seven days a week. That is really fresh food. It's not as fresh as your garden, but so much fresher than commercial organic food is going to be at higher integrity. I'm going to suggest higher nutrient value. And you're you're eating in your food shed. So you're supporting farmers that you might recognize in your community. Most of them will welcome you for field days when this pandemic's over. But that those dollars circulate. There's something we call the uh, multiplier effect. And, and it's debated about how many times. If you buy uh, some food from Harmony Valley in Veroqua, Wisconsin, that the workers there and the farm owners will spend that in the local community and it bounces around about seven times mm-hmm. before it leaves and goes somewhere else. So, but Somebody buys a pair of boots to work in the barn with. Somebody else buys a winter coat for the kid. Somebody gets a haircut, like I haven't had in eight months. Um, and uh and then we all spend it on each other. You know, you go to buy certified organic food at Walmart or Costco or Target or whatever, and it just in it, it, besides for the peanuts, they're paying their workers. they're paying them a little better now, but it's still not enough to live on that money bang, it's gone. It's gone to Arkansas you know, heartbeat or to, you know, Mexico or China or wherever they're growing some of that organic food. So I really, really encourage you to garden. you start out small mm-hmm. next year, buy some seeds this winter while they're still available. Buy certified organic seeds. If you can get them, you're supporting organic farmers. You're not handling the chemicals they treat the seeds with sometimes. and um, And get some great books from the Rodale Institute or other publishers, um, Chelsea Green Publishing um, on organic farming. The New Organic Grower by Elliot Coleman is a, a blend between amateur growing and professional growing that was my bible when I was a farmer. And Elliot is still a friend and mentor. Um, uh, so it you'll have a great time. You'll have better food than you get anywhere else. Supplement that. You want to find those local CSA farms. You want to find a farmer to buy directly chicken from like I do or go to either eatwild.org I think it's org or localharvest.org. Google I'm going those to
0: add these to the show notes.
1: Okay. And and thank you. And mm-hmm. so um, they will help you geographically. A lot of states do this. The State Department of Agriculture in Wisconsin has a site that helps farmers connect with consumers. Another nonprofit called the Weston A. Price Foundation helps people. They have local chapters. They're great. Yeah, they're great.
0: Anyone listening, check out their Instagram, Weston A. Price. They are great. I will also add that in the show
1: notes. Okay, excellent. A great resource. Excellent. So, um, those are all really good resources to eat uh, real organic food, the best organic food, the local organic food. Now we all have to supplement. When, uh, for instance, I have my own milk, I make my own yogurt. Um, the last. Um, version, the last episode of Castell's Kitchen, um, uh, organiceye.org, or on our Facebook page, um, is about about choosing the brand of yogurt, if you buy it in the store, and which are my favorites, and making your own. It's so easy. But if you don't have that, there's just some wonderful brands uh, that you can choose from. And uh, so every morning I have Organic Valley cream cheese on my Toast with walnuts and raisins, and um, but there's some other really great local brands of organic cream cheese, and and when I can get those, I do, and and uh, so you know we need to be educated so we can reward the true heroes in the marketplace and protect our families with the very best food.
0: Absolutely, yeah. I mean, it, that's such an important component of all this. I mean, you mentioned this a little bit, but taking care of the farm workers. I mean. You think about I think about these poor farmers that are working in conventional on conventional farms and they're in terrible working conditions. They work long hours, little pay. This is intensive labor. And then they're being exposed to pesticides with probably no protection whatsoever. And they're, I think I read somewhere recently, you you might be able to correct me on this, but I think their lifespan is around like 40 years old because they get cancer at such young ages because of all these pesticides.
1: Uh protection. By law, the farm workers and farmers who are using mm-hmm. some of these toxic chemicals have to wear protective clothing and respirators and things. Do they always do that? Okay. I'm sure there are plenty except the problem is that they send farmers into the fields to pick some of this stuff. And every, every farm owner isn't responsible the way they're treating their employees. So, if there's one thing we do when we buy organic food, forget about better nutrition and safety for our family. Helping farmers, helping our community. If there's one thing we do: We're protecting those workers that don't have to go out in the field. And many times they're children, farm workers, all too often in this country. We started out using uh, indigenous people, as slaves in America, God bless America. Then we brought in African prisoners that we, we captured and stolen, and, and we used those people to produce food and fiber. And now we have mostly an exploited immigrant workforce. These are hardworking, honest people that are just trying to feed their families, and the working conditions are horrendous. Many times, their children live on the farms contiguous to these fields. They have uh, really high levels of chronic diseases like asthma. So, um, So, we are protecting them when we choose organic food, no matter whether it's from big corporate organic or the greatest little organic. We're getting those poisons out of our environment yeah. and the occupational, I, I came to organic food because of pesticide poisoning myself. 35 years ago, I was involved in conventional agriculture.
0: Oh, I would love to hear that story. And I bet my audience would too.
1: I'm lucky. I am lucky that that happened to me because who knows, I would have gone the same direction everybody else did. And I help, But it forced me to be healthy. So you are so, um, Astute in bringing up this one dimension of these are our brothers and sisters, the farmers, the farm workers, the people who drive the tractors, the people who are picking out in the fields every day.
0: Who literally put our food on our tables. That's a really important thing to remember. The people that are giving us nutrients. We also need to protect them.
1: Yes. Just like we have the responsibility and we determine how those animals are cared for that are involved in, in um, production agriculture. We decide how the people are treated. And, and, and so if I'm buying conventional food and somebody gets um, cancer, there's blood on my hands. I, I can sleep really well, you know, so how many things can we do? I, I you know, as I've called out the, some of the improprieties in organics, um,
0: uh. Can I mention one thing really fast before we get too far away? I just want to mention this because I always like to remind people of this. When you think about how these farm workers have to go in full protection, um, if you're listening and you've never seen these photos before, I would encourage people to Google it. But these farm workers that are working with these conventional, um, they're conventional farming and they're working with all these pesticides and herbicides, they have to wear full hazmat suits when they're spraying down the food And you think about, they're spraying down this food, and then they're just sending it off to the grocery store. So that's a little food for thought when you think about, they're having to wear this protection to spray it on the crops, and then we're eating it. So that, to me, is alone the reason that I want to eat organic food. You know how I fill in the gaps of my organic diet is with supplementation. Hopefully by now you guys have been listening to this podcast for a little while, and you are aware of Paragon Vitamins. I love Paragon Vitamins. Um, I'm a firm believer in that we can't get everything from our diet, and we really need to supplement the rest of it, especially now with the way that we're spraying our crops and our killing our soil off. We just don't get the nutrients that we need anymore from our food. And we get higher nutrients from organic food, but we still are even lacking in organic food and the nutrients. So I supplement with Paragon Vitamins, and what I love so much about them, I talk about this all the time, is that I love that they're bio-individualized. You send in a little piece of your hair and they run lab tests on it and then they send you back a full detailed report. And they talk about how 90% of their customers see improvement in their health and improved energy, more restful sleep, immunity support, hormone balance, healthier skin, hair, and nails, greater athletic performance. And this is all based on the the vitamins that they suggest that you take based on what's going on in your body and based on what they get back from your lab results. So they do comprehensive testing and they use the highest quality ingredients. They only use the cleanest and highest quality ingredients in the most bioavailable forms, all tested under the FDA's current manufacturing practices. And they think about food first. So in today's world, it's difficult to get the proper balance of nutrients with food alone. And they approach vitamins like food. So they rotate them daily to avoid un- unnecessary supplements and so that you don't get too much of one of one vitamin. And it's cool because they come in these little packets, so you don't even have to think about it at all. You have three packets a day. You have an AM one, a midday one, and then a PM one. So it's super easy, and it comes on a monthly subscription, so you don't even have to think about it. It just shows up on your doorstep, and I cannot speak highly enough about them. They also gave me a code you get 15% off the nutritional assessment when you use code REALFOOD15 at paragonvitamins.com.
1: I, I once was walking through Lincoln Park Zoo in Chicago. Just by chance, I was in town and I had some time to kill. And there was a group of school children, you know, 100, 200 gathered around this old lady talking. And she made a lot of sense. And she said, um, you know, where would the logic be of pouring poison on our food and poison on the ground on this one precious earth. And after listening to her for about 20 minutes, I figured out it was Jane Goodall.
0: Wow.
1: What what (laughs) brilliant.
0: chills. That's cool. (laughs)
1: So so Google pesticide applicator, and then, and then click on images and you'll see this. And um, even with all those suits on, it's really hard to not contaminate yourself. Mm. And, um, so
0: we're contaminating ourselves every day eating conventional.
1: Yes. Well, the as I are. say, the acute poisoning. I, I just wrote my end of the year fundraising letter for all charities. We don't do a lot of fundraising in organic. I, I think this is the second letter this year we've sent out, but I wrote a cover letter. So I'll, I'll, I'll give you this little short story. Um, I really enjoy talking to our members around the country that are farmers, consumers. They, we all come together on food here. And, um, so I'm usually at my keyboard in front of my screen and, but every few times a week, I get to talk to people around the country and it's a really a joy in normal times. I visit farms, I make speeches. I I'm out there. So we got a donation and he gave me permission to tell the story. So I wrote it in a letter from a guy named, uh, Carl, um, Allen, he goes by CD and, um, he i uh, sent in a donor card with a credit card for $6 donation. And most of our donations are bigger, but they, you know, we all give what we can. And, and, and really it's very touching. All donations, you're giving us the authority to do this work, the moral authority. So, so I call CD and I say, um, you know, I I always like to hear people's story. Why did you come to organics? And um, he said that uh, I used to, um, be uh I, he's a veteran um i used to be a landscaper and the guy who owned the company i ran the crew decided we were going to quit mowing and we were only going to spray all those chemicals to make nice green logs and he did that for a while and, and one day uh he was spraying and he went back to the same place the next day and there were robins dead underneath this uh he said holly tree he's in he's in kentucky his name is c day allen And uh, he said, I I knew I had to quit. But before he quit, he was having a problem with the hose. He went back to the truck and the hose decoupled from the tank and burst. And he took a shower and 200 gallons of herbicide. He became critically ill. He could hardly get home that night. Today, he's on permanent disability. And and he credits um, organic food and herbs as being, you know, what's, helped save him. And and as we were talking, he said, Mark, you know, I, I really appreciate you talking to me. And um, and I really enjoyed our conversation. And he said, um, I, I'll tell you what, you increase that donation, 10 bucks. And I'll tell you, it meant the world to me. I'm almost crying right now. It meant the world to me. And I just called him up again to say hi. And I, I needed to ask him permission to use his story. He's got COVID now and, and he's doing okay. Mm-hmm about a week and so i'll be calling him again and i send him a uh pulse on oximeter and a thermometer he's on a fixed income and so we need to take care of each other but there, these are the stories uh, of people this is a guy if you pay for a lawn service forget about the food we eat if you're paying for a lawn service or you're putting chemical fertilizer and pesticides on your lawn i guarantee you that your kids have pesticides in their bloodstream that you're as pesticides in their body. Even if your dog and cat don't go outside, you're tracking in your home. It's one of the constituents of your house dust. If your neighbors are spraying, go to, you know, Organic Eye, we're only focused, our core mission on organics, go to Beyond Pesticides. They'll give you the options of not only how to maintain your own property without toxic chemicals, but how to approach your park district, your school board, that maintains the playground and and convince them that there's a a sounder way to manage. So, you know, when you talk about pouring chemicals on our food, it's everywhere and it's in our bloodstream and let's take responsibility for ourselves and our community as a whole.
0: Absolutely. And let's start encouraging these larger corporations to provide us with healthier food that doesn't have all these pesticides and herbicides.
1: Well, we vote when we spend money in the grocery store every day and, yep. and, and they're going to respond. So if we buy organic versus conventional, they're going to respond. If we say your organic isn't good enough because the, the, the organic, organic milk at Costco, Target, um, Walmart, a lot of the big grocery stores comes from Aurora Dairy, the largest factory farm operator that's producing quote organic milk. And you know, that's not good enough for me. When the Washington Post, I worked with the Washington Post on an investigative article, Uh, they tested the organic milk from Aurora. In terms of nutritional components, it had less than some of the conventional brands out there. So, you know, we send a message every time we seek out the very best food and astute entrepreneurs and investors, they're going to respond.
0: Yeah. And I think an important component of this is what we already talked about, but I just want to reiterate this, is finding CSA boxes, finding local farmers that you can buy local produce from, because that will also, um, not only will the food be healthier for you, but it will be cheaper, um, you know, cost-efficient, and it's going to be more economically friendly because it traveled less distance. So overall, win-win.
1: And, and when I was farming, um, I mean, the nice thing about a CSA is... You give them their box back. That costs like a dollar and a quarter for a farmer. Hundreds of boxes. Those are adding up. And it and those boxes at conventional grocery stores go to landfill they're garbage. And there's a lot of retained um, um, energy in those because they're waxed so they don't fall apart. And uh, so, but let me correct you mildly. Just that food at the farmer's market at CSA, it might not be any cheaper. It might be a little more expensive than the industrial well, organic. At the grocery store but in terms of uh flavor and nutrition you're getting a bargain um and i'll tell you a waste let, let, let me here's a little sidebar story go and buy one of those plastic tubs um, in the grocery store of organic you know spinach from california open that up in in a day or two it's black slime And because it's old spinach, the only reason it looks good in the store before you open is they fill a lot of those containers with nitrogen to displace the oxygen. So it breaks down slower. I mean, they've genetically engineered apples so they don't get brown. So we can eat old food. But I buy um, all year round. There's some growers, including some Amish farmers here in my neighborhood. They grow under a unheated hoop house, plastic dome. They grow spinach. It's bigger leaves, darker green, thicker leaves. The flavor is incredible. It will last two weeks in my refrigerator without going bad. So value, I paid $9.99 a pound for it. People say, oh, organic food, too expensive. Or that organic, I can buy it cheaper at Target. This is way different than what you'd buy at Target. And so I use every bit of it. I, a lot of this food I give away um, when you know I'm trying to encourage you to influence your friends and neighbors buy some of this great csa food it might be more than you need i share this food when i grew food professionally i shared a lot of food it's you know just joyful and and i have friends that don't have access to the food co-ops that i go to and the csa's i buy extra food or i buy food they order and i pick it up and give it a you know let's go back to this covid thing yeah i haven't been in a building in eight months. Both my food co-ops put food in the trunk of my car. The warehouse grocery where I buy my toilet paper, paper towel, that's the only food items I generally buy there are my, the brand of canned salmon and sardines are less expensive, but the particular brand I like there, they put the food in the trunk of my car. My CSA, they're putting the food t- this year in the trunk of my car. Um, my farmer that I buy from, they have a farm store, they put it out on a little table, you take. Take it. I haven't been in a building. You can buy this food very safely. If you do that, talk to your family, talk to your friends. If there's an elderly person next door, ask them if you can help them. I'm I'm a delivery company because I go to the warehouse grocer, I go to the food court, I pick up for two or three people at a time. I drop it off to them. They don't have to expose yourself by being outdoors or outside at all. I buy the gas. Um, Food is love. Beautiful. My mother taught me that food is love.
0: Food is love. Oh, I love that so much. So, I mean, we've covered a lot today. And, you know, there was one other thing I think that we had wanted to cover, and that was fraud and organics. And I don't know if that's going to be too long of a conversation to get into now. But when we had talked before we got on camera or on, you know, recording, we're talking about fraud and organics and that there needs to be caution exercise because there's a lot of processed and junk food that's labeled organic, but I would argue is still not super healthy for us. Can we go into that a little bit?
1: Yeah, let's just do a little bit. And if we ever get back together, we'll do a whole one on fraud, watchdogging, how we're all organic watchdogs, how you can be one of our intelligence agents at Organic Eye. We, we're, we all own this label together. So first of all, before fraud, junk food versus good food. There's organic junk food out there, folks. High sugar, content, um, really crummy oils that that I don't eat. I want to eat um, coconut oil and, and olive oil and people will cook with lard and, you know, real Hello. fat that, that, that give us energy, feed us butter is I'm a butter addict, you know, toast is a butter delivery vehicle for me. Um, but uh, we used to jo- joke about, I, before there was an Organic Valley, I did their first market research and their corporate identity work that came up with Organic Valley Family of Farms. I kind of led that collaborative process. It, it used to be the Cooley Region Organic Produce Pool. Started out as a vegetable co-op, farmer co-op, and then went into dairy. We used to joke that someday, this is back in the 80s, there would be a organic, certified organic Twinkie. Well, I don't, there isn't one yet.
0: I'm surprised. Well, there's the
1: equivalent of certified organic Oreo cookies and, yep. um, and lots of sweets and gummy bears. And I just, you know, the bottom line is that we eat, you know, white flour. Uh, we eat things that are way too high on the glycemic index. Uh, we eat things that are processed. Well, the original ingredients were agriculturally produced or were produced organically. Uh, but then they are synthesized and heated, superheated and ultra pasteurized. And by the time they get to us, they they don't have that same value as going out to the garden or cooking our own food or getting those uh, fresh eggs. And so, you know, you're gonna choose and it's harder, more time consuming to um, cook. But I, I always tell people, you know, they say, well, what's your favorite dish? leftovers. I've heard, so I cook many times more than I need in one meal. And um, and then I have leftovers either in the freezer or in the refrigerator. And so I amortize that cooking time. And if you're partnered in a relationship, one person cooks one day, one person cooks another day, and, and you can help each other clean up. And that, again, could be, uh, I, I refer to this personally and as the joy of simple tasks. So can you make cooking and laundry and washing up joyful by either spending that time with your partner's quality time or with your kids or on the phone with a headset wired so you're not frying your brain um, and um, visiting with your family and friends while you're getting something done? So that's junk food versus real food. Don't think that it's organic and healthy. It's it's going to be your judgment call. The other is fraud. and. Yeah. And, you know, when money gets involved, um, things go haywire. And Congress passed the Organic Foods Production Act in 1990, um, OFPA, as part of the Farm Bill that year. And it gave the USDA the authority to protect ethical farmers from unfair competition and to protect consumers from fraud. Hmm. You don't have to take Mark Castell's word for it, organic eye, They've done an abysmal job, according to the USDA Office of Inspector General, who's um, audited them twice, or ANSI, the American National Standards Institute, that's audited them. They're doing a very poor job of overseeing the certifiers. Remember, let me clarify, the USDA does not certify uh, any farms. They, in essence, certify the certifiers. So there's about 50, a little under 50. Um, certifiers in the United States that go out and inspect farms and processing plants. The farmers and the processing plants pay these certifiers. There's an inherent conflict of interest. The only antidote to that is the oversight of the USDA on the certifiers auditing the certifiers, and they're not doing a good job of that. So that's where it's a shame. We pay our tax dollars to the USDA. People contribute money to organic eye so that we can watch this process. We can monitor the USDA. We're we're governmental and corporate watchdogs. So we all have um, a stake in this. And so see something, say something. If something doesn't look right, that it doesn't um, uh, seem to be organic. We just did an expose on CBD products that were labeled organic, but they weren't legally certified. And uh, we are now looking at going after some of those com- companies. We've we filed formal legal complaints against them, and we're using that as a model because we're using that as an example of how the USDA is not doing their job. So I, I'm I'm happy to say that the local organic food exemplary and and ethical approach. The the larger companies, see caveat at Mtor, and 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 tune into these future Castell Kitchen shows because we're gonna review a lot of brands I'm gonna plug one brand we've never gotten any money from them but we welcome your money uh, Eden Foods a diversified grocer based in Michigan they have everything from you know spices to canned beans canned and their beans. Beans come from Michigan and Canada um, from people they know the farmers not some broker and and most of the dry beans that are organic in this country quite, quite a high percentage come from China. You know, I don't trust my pet food from China after some of the beganics, let alone what you might feed yourself or your children. So eating foods, you know, if it has their name on it, I have high confidence. So, you know, we can reward the heroes in this business with our patronage and send messages to the bad actors.
0: Yeah, I love that. Well, that's so important. Well, we covered everything I wanted to talk about. Is there anything else that you want people to know that are listening?
1: No, other than, listen, uh, no, I, I, I'm really always delighted to, um, to be interviewed by somebody who really has their heart in the game here. And, and so this has been a pleasure. I'm going to personally view some of your other um, podcasts or listen. I know some of my friends have been on. And uh, so I'd encourage your listenership to do the same thing. Um, uh, be conscious of your food. Just saying, just because it comes from a certain brand store, or it's a certain brand, the food, or it's quote organic, uh, that's just the beginning of your food research. So take your health, control of your health. You can do it. You'll have fun. This will add, it, it certainly takes some brain power and time. But for me, it adds satisfaction and meaning to my life. It connects you with God's creation. The Earth, consciousness, how you steward it, how you take care of the people who produce our food, how you take care of the animals involved, how you take care of the other wild critters out there that are exposed to all these agrochemicals, and um, and how you take care of yourself, and yourself. Number one, you know, you can't be good for the Earth to other people unless you're healthy and you take care of yourself. So, um, there, Hillel, an old Jewish philosopher, once said. If, if I am not for me, who will be? But if I am only for me, what am I? And so, you know, choosing our food is the great, I, I started, I'll just say this last thing. And I, because I started to say it before, when people find out the difference of organic food and the factory farms that they were buying this milk, they thought were caring for the animal, they're pissed off. They feel betrayed. Now we need you to dig your heels in and most people are with organic will, they're not going to go back to eating conventional food. We know how those animals are all treated. But you know, in consumer items, when Mercedes-Benz went downhill in dependability from years ago, and the consumer union don't doesn't consumer reports rate them as high. You know, consumers they didn't like picket, they didn't join organizations, they just bought a Lexus instead. And and but organic consumers, they really step up so. I would encourage you to go to Organic, I-O-R-G, Organic, um, E-Y-E dot O-R-G. Sign up as a member if you're motivated to do so. But I would, if you're not ready to do that, we have a free news list. Listen to these podcasts, be educated, and then vote with your dollars. So we're all in this together. And thanks, thanks for having me. It's been a stimulating conversation, to say the least.
0: That's so important. Well, thank you so much. I'm, I'm so honored to have you on my podcast. I'm really excited for everyone to hear this episode. It's really important. Thank you. This is a Resident Media production produced by Drake Peterson and mixed by Chris McCone. The song is by Georgie. As always, please don't forget to rate and review the podcast. It really helps me in this show a lot. See you next week. Isn't it better to be hard? I'm done, 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 I done, 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 be wasted done, You done, 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 I like to be I know that's why.
1: All-